I want that and try to embody that as well is that we can be local and also like absurdly ambitious especially in the digital age you know because uh, all of those initial barriers that we had like you're saying you proved it even uh, 16 years ago that uh, like those uh, barriers of entry are lifted and you know we can compete with the rest of the US right and I mean I think that's one of the things that we have to be careful of how we're all raised here is the fact that it's okay to say I want to be the best mm. Right, we're you know Midwesterners, good old folks, right? And we just we just love everybody and want to hold the door for you, at Bob Evans. But it's okay to say I'm that, mm. but I also want to be the best at my job of anybody that has ever done this before. Yes, right. That is not bad. There's nothing wrong with both of those things being paired together. Yeah, and it's like you're saying it's a rare pairing. I think that is like a huge success variable for sure. I yeah. agree. New Local Legends Podcast. <laughs> Real small town success stories. We have quite the lineups. We believe that if people know better, they can do better. When you kiss me by the river. Welcome to the Speakeasy. The amount of love and compassion. The hope that's been bubbling up in the last few years. The finer things about Portland. You just don't see that everywhere. Local legends only. Welcome back to the Local Legends Podcast. This is episode 50, 50th episode here with uh, Asa Jewett in the Glockner Speakeasy. Welcome, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. My very first question, Asa, and uh, be honest, do you play basketball? <laughs> you know, that's a really funny uh, thing. I mean, there's a lot of people around some of my dear friends would get a kick out of you know, all the times that we've been out and traveled and the different responses that I give people to, do you play basketball? Right? Yeah. Like, um, Mike's uh, favorite is to tell everybody that I'm a librarian <laughs> and to just see the, the response that I get, I, you know, for most of my life, I told everybody I was a gymnast. <laughs> so, um, Dude, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, if you go to Walmart, it's literally like uh, people are waiting in every aisle to ask you that question. It's yeah. crazy. I, I mean, you get it. And I mean, it's one of those things that's really funny you know, for us to talk about this because um, it, it it offends a lot of the people I'm with. Yeah. But I'm so used to it. Like, I, I'm fine with it. Like, well, I let it ruin my day. You know, somebody says, you know, how big are you or how tall are you? How's the weather up there? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's fine. It's cool. Like, you know, that they saw. Maybe I made somebody's day, I guess, because I'm big. So... <laughs> Whatever, happy to I happy still, to entertain them. One, I guess when when people tell me I'm I'm uh, taller in person, I tell them I'm shorter online. That's usually the, <laughs> that's a good one too. <laughs> you have a much better online presence than me, though. So. Um, yeah. Let's just start with uh, like the Wikipedia summary of Asa Jewett. Who you are, what you do? Uh, yeah, wow, Wikipedia. Um, yeah, so uh, born and raised in Portsmouth, Ohio. Um, right, I've been very blessed. Uh, 
to get to come back after um, growing up here to um, have my career. I'm a financial advisor for Edward Jones. Um, I've been fortunate enough to become a, a partner in the firm. Um, you know, it's just been a, a wonderful journey um, to this point in my life. But I guess, you know, uh, that's, that's where we currently are. You know, best things of my life, husband to Ann and uh, dad to Jack, who's going to be 14 on Saturday. So, mm. Uh, maybe he'll watch this and be proud of his dad, which would be a good thing to me. <laughs> yeah, man, it's everything. Um, I guess I'd like to know and get into a little bit more. You know, like the premise of the podcast is just to tell people our small town success story, like sure. I was telling you, but um, not in like a self congratulatory kind of way. You know, you're uh, a pretty humble guy, so I imagine you're not like you don't desire to do that anyway. Right. So, so the goal is to really kind of dissect the things that led to your successes, so that um, okay. the people that are listening, you know, can uh, up and coming entrepreneurs kind of thing um, can learn from that experience and and hear from someone in this context. Like I, I've talked before about like uh, how much I would have killed for just a little bit more insight um, when I moved here and was trying to uh trying to make my way you know and i had no idea what i was doing yeah and uh that's like essentially the kind of resource that we're building so um let's break down a few things here about your story um when uh can you tell us a little bit maybe start with um any light bulb moments that you remember that you can share that led to you choosing your career path specifically Uh, i mean one of the actually it's a pretty funny story how i got into this it's kind of just Dumb. One of my favorite quotes is the the harder I work, the luckier I get. Mm. And um, so when I w- was recruited to go play basketball at OU, um, it, you know, I originally went into engineering, but you know, had high hopes that I was going to go play professional basketball or something like that. So I thought, well, I'll use this free education to learn about money. Mm. That way, when I'm done, I'll be able to retire and do the things I want. So I started taking finance classes, uh, just kind of out of that necessity to want to know and understand it more mm-hmm. um it, you know ended up getting hurt and having a couple of surgeries for a couple of years so basketball had kind of run its course that time for me per se but uh, luckily I was doing you know out of sheer kind of hard work and dumb luck it was doing well in finance so um you know that was one of those really times that um to be extremely disappointed in something you had worked basically your entire life to be good at Mm. basketball to have that kind of pulled away um it it was really i remember talking to um you know my mom and dad who have always been a wonderful influence on me and they you know kind of shed some light on you know you know this is life right how you handle this is you know what defines you that's what i tell jack all the time good Mm. things happen bad things happen how you handle it is who you are sure right so that was bad for me at that point in my life ended up being one of the best things that's ever happened to me so Mm. um because i wasn't gonna let the fact that just because i would try to be somewhere that was taken away from me um or not taken it was just life right yeah so Mm -hmm. How are you going? Well, that's how you perceive it at the time, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I was 19 years old, right? So it's mm. not the funnest day. Um, but luckily, I had put in a huge amount of effort into learning about finance, and grades were good, and I was having good relationships. You know, my professors were extremely influential at OU. Um, I couldn't, you know, thank them enough for everything they showed me. So um, 
that was an extremely pivotal point in my life to see that your, you know, your hard work could overcome, you know, bad outcomes or what were perceived as bad. Now looking back at it, you know, was mm. one of the kind of tipping points in my life to bring me to where I am today. You know, I've got friends now that are retiring from the NBA and, you wow. know, from playing professionally. And now it's like, you know, they're coming back and they've had successful careers, but you know, we're, I mean, I feel so fortunate to be where I am at Jones and, you know, doing the things that I'm doing with our clients and our community, right. It's when it feels like we're in our prime, right. Of building yeah. still. And, you know, I don't want to slow down. Sure. So I just want to go faster. So was it a pretty serious, like the end kind of injury? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, the, what well, was a year long process. It was actually pretty kind of agonized. So I had, Hurt my knee, had knee surgery, rehabbed from that, had another injury to the other knee, had surgery, then rehabbing for the second time. You know, we're big guys. So then I broke both my feet from training so hard. I had stress fractures. Oh, man. So then it was going to be eight weeks of no training. So then to come back again. So this was that whole thing was a year. And so by that point, it was just this is enough. Sure. Right. There's, and you know, playing, you know, there's that it factor or whatever. And I'd lost my step from all that. So of course. Yeah. But, uh, essentially it just made you double down on your uh, like degree. Yeah. I, I mean, it really focused me on, um, taking all that effort that I'd put in for all those years in the basketball into right. Something that I felt like, one, we could have success with. Two, I love it. Mm. Um, it's uh, I always tell everybody finance is like a it's like a puzzle that the pieces change every day. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to figure it out, right? I like the challenge of you, you know you're never gonna tomorrow something different. So it's different every single day. It's a challenge. So yeah, I equate like uh, with what I what we do at Glockner and just like getting my foot in the door here. Like I had a lot of those same feelings because I was a college athlete as well. Mm-hmm. Man, my brother and I played soccer at Shawnee State, and so uh, um, I guess uh, I I was getting those same feelings like when I would succeed there, like when we'd sell something, uh, like put a plan in place and it would work. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so like I got those same kind of positive feelings of like scoring a goal like it was yeah. it was the same kind of thing it's that the, was driving you the know? same thing and I mean I think that's what you know I think you know I think sports teach people a, a lot everybody needs their education I mean I use my brain every day not my 611 frame right yeah. it, it doesn't you know all it does is a pain in the butt to buy suits now <laughs> so uh yeah, it's you not know. as functional as you might think you know <laughs> right it's not uh but you know, so when you you look at the you know the outcomes that you you have to get through in your life, that's um, it is. It's the same amount of joy and success and all that positive reinforcement. And so, I think those lessons that sports teach us. Of you know, one of my dearest friends always says, "Sports teach you how to get knocked on your butt and get up." Mm, yeah. Right. And I think that whether that's business life right it's it's something that a lot of people need to learn yeah man all this stuff feels like more of a mental game than anything yeah. like being success it's uh, very little to do with your current circumstance and like you're saying like how you play your hand essentially yeah um maybe uh get into a little bit of the steps uh that led you to edward jones I'd like to hear that 
Sure. Um, I, I mean, so I, I guess, you know, you were asking about the, you know, kind of light bulb moments. Mm-hmm. So it, it's um, this weekend, my son's going to be 14. So it remind, when I was 14, you know, one of the biggest light bulb moments of my life was one of my best friends passed away when I was 14. Right? Mm-hmm. He was my best friend in the world. And um, in dealing with that, it, right, people deal with loss so much um, in so many different ways. To me, what I focused on was I was going to try and live a life that his family would be proud of me for be, living a good enough life for both of us, mm-hmm. right, since he no longer could. So that whether that was his dream was always play basketball right so i think that partly gave me the motivation um through all those years that that was something that we really wanted that i was going to focus on because i had Mm. this internal burning fire and then and i still do every day i mean his name's jeremy pitts uh you know he passed away a a long time ago now because i'm getting old but uh that when you talk about moments in your life that change you right that's one of the things that was something that I needed to turn into something I could be positive about right? Right. rather than wallow in it and all that. So that moment, I think, changed me how I was. I mean, sadly, you know, lost, you know, my best friend at 14 years old, but mm, yeah. he's still with me every day and I live a life that hopefully he's proud of. I, I mean, I think that that's a lot of things when you talk about business and success. I mean, I, one of the coolest things about uh, my job is I'm exposed to the most successful people in this country, mm. right? My clients are, are fantastic, amazing people, and they teach me something every day, mm. right, if you're just paying attention. So, I mean, I, I think that sometimes people get shut off from because um, they're nervous whether somebody, who they are or whether they're their teacher or whatever. And, I mean, these people have amazing gifts to share, and if you're paying attention – there's a lot to be learned from this world. Of course. Yeah. Maybe that leads into one of my other curiosities as far as like mentors in your life. Are, are a lot of the work you're doing with your clients ultimately just like teaching you all things outside of a lot of things outside of finance? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, because, you know, most of the clients aren't in finance, right? They're mm. in, but they're amazingly successful in whatever line of work that they are in, right? They're, and so when you, being exposed to that, however, to their story, mm-hmm. right? How they grew up, what they overcame, what, the, you know, what they've learned and to just get to be a part of those conversations is is so cool. I mean, I get to basically I get to do your job every day as, <laughs> as part of mine, right? As in in knowing them, and uh, I, I just I think it's an amazing benefit that I have by just getting that exposure all the time. Sure, man. Well, I can uh, relate, and as like the more people that I've met, it's continued to like broaden my perspective. And you're just really as strong as that like diversity at the table. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. People just bring all kinds of. Uh, like that combined experience is a really powerful thing. And that's what we're trying to, you know, emulate with this essentially is that same kind of thing of, uh, by you telling, uh, your story and adding more voices to the table. Um, we're going to like continue to, you know, like rise together kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, Maybe uh, for you, Asa, are there like day-to-day values, principles that uh, stick with you? Maybe you've learned from others or uh, literature. Well, what kind of, um, what kind of like core principles are you sticking to that you feel lead to your success? 
I mean, the North Star is, you know, we do what's right. Mm. Always, every time, no matter what, no matter how hard it is. I mean, that's what I tell Jack. And, you know, and it's funny, I to bring up Jack. I mean, um, I tell everybody that the things that I tell my son to do is how I'm trying to live my life. Mm. Right? So when I tell him to work hard, I should work hard, right? It, it, you know, it's... It, and I think that sometimes people tell their kids what what to do, and but but it's hard. Right. It is hard to live up. And we were talking about your kids, right? The expectations we have for our children and what we want them to achieve, and and all those things, right? Well, I mean, if you turn everything that you're telling your kid back to yourself, mm. <laughs> probably it's a challenging uh, exercise. That, that's yeah. a, and and so that's you know guiding principle to do what's right and what I told my son to do is what I try to live up to as well. Mm, yeah, and uh, I I like that man. As as far as doing what's right, you know, I, I, maybe there's this perception in the business world that like people that aren't doing what's right on occasion are the ones that are getting ahead. But I I think that's like uh, that eventually ends. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like uh, it's kind of a short term solution just to kind of. Uh, play things under the table or just do things kind of <laughs> outside of like ethics, you know sure. what I'm saying? Um, but like you're saying, you start maybe uh, like limiting your relationships and hurting people that eventually like starts burning bridges. I mean, right. I mean, I always tell everybody, I mean, we're, we're playing the long game. Yeah. Right. Everybody who works in my office. I mean, there are some people who do things differently than me, you know, that's for them to, have their head hit the pillow every night right and um i mean we're sitting in a building that was you know hundreds of years ago mm. right you don't get to these places by taking a short-term gain for some unethical or perceived gain because it's not you right know, if you got it the wrong way it is not a gain it, yeah. is, it is a loss and no matter how anybody looks about it so I mean, we're always trying to, I, I was very fortunate, right? So when I started in business at Edward Jones, I'd never had any money, never made any money. So <laughs> it was pretty, <laughs> any money that Ann and I were making was, was a darn good day. So, yeah. Right. So I, I mean, other people come into different entities at different places in their lives, but coming as a kid who'd never had two dress shirts, right? So there was not, it was all upside from there, however much money got made. So sure. I could, so I could take my time and, and do it right. But you're right, man. And Sean Dunn, like uh, when he was on the podcast, was saying like people like uh, the Glockners, and I'm sure a lot of uh, your successful clients, they, they could take everything they're making and just like put every penny of it extra into the stock market. You know what I mean? They can make plays like that where they're not investing in the community. But um, that that is the long-term play. You know, if this, like you're saying, was about... Um, all about just selfish gain, you know, Ebby would have like liquidated the business a long time ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right. that would have been the most short term play to, to make the most wealth kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you, you have, I mean, we're fortunate here. I, I mean, that I think the, the, the community, when you look at it is growing mm. it, right for the, one of the first times during my lifetime here. Um, I feel like the, you know, we have a positive momentum moving forward. And a lot of that is because of, you know, the people are taking an interest in hat. They don't want to sell and leave. Right. They want to make it better. I had a conversation uh, last week with a friend of mine and he said, I want this because I want my kids to want to live here. Mm. And I thought, 
well, I mean, and he doesn't need to do anything that he's talking about doing. Sure. And he is solely doing it to make our community better so that his kids and my kids, you know, want to be here. And I think that is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Yeah, man. And I think that's like one of the biggest vectors for change is when we start thinking beyond like our immediate comfort and start thinking about what we're setting our future generations up for. It's, it's just so much more purpose, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, if you, um, I, I think one of the things that, you know, talking about living up to the stuff you tell your kids, I mean, I always tell Jack, I mean, if you have the ability to help somebody, and you don't, that is one of the worst things you could ever do, mm. right? Because they might, they might not have the ability to help themselves, but you could help them, right? right? You might have that ability, and so that's how I look at it here. If, I, if I've been in, put into a fortunate place throughout my life to help someone, and I don't do that, that's on me. Yeah, that's like the, the like the cost of not doing something, so to speak, which right. is often not measured. You know, correct? Yeah, and, and but that's one of the ways that we look at it. So, um, let me ask you this: so since we're on the the um, topic of the community, you know, doing business here and your involvement in uh, the community over time, I guess, how have you seen maybe? Um, in your sector of work, economic conditions t- change, or your clients' conditions change here in Portsmouth, and I guess the Appalachia, Appalachia as a whole. Are, I mean, are there trends you're seeing, and, and what do you make of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I actually think that um, you know, I'll try to cut my economic jargon down a little <laughs> bit, but you know, it's really interesting. So, um, Anne will make fun of me about this, but you know, so. If you look at the economic trends in the Industrial Revolution, right, the mm-hmm. times when people moved from rural America to inside the beltways for work, mm-hmm. right, in my opinion, what what we're starting to see due to the advances in technology are a reversal of that trend, right? The migration patterns of the U.S. are starting to flip to where people you know, due to the internet, right, and can work from home and different things like that, mm-hmm. that not everybody needs to be in the downtown beltway, right, right, for their employment. So when you look at somebody who might value the way to appreciate the beauty of where we live, right, the the cultural perspective of, you know, I would say a more friendly environment to raise your kids and do all that stuff where people are going to hold the door for you when you're going into a restaurant, I think that at that for certain people is going to add a big benefit to encouraging them. And now since the, the economics have flipped that they have that ability. Right. I, I mean, I'm very optimistic about, you know, people continuing to want to move here mm. from Cincinnati, Columbus, Lexington, or, or, or anywhere for that matter, because they might not cost a living so much better. Right. Right. And, and you know, if you don't have to live five minutes away from Macy's, right, that's if that's not what the purpose of your life is, if you'd yeah. rather be able to sit on your porch and look at the river or look at the hills or go for a drive in the forest, I mean, we're pretty fortunate to be where we are. Of course, we, yeah. And so. I, I think people understood that more, too, like through the pandemic and you're seeing like the the radical changes and just the, the polarizing stuff that was happening in big cities, you yes. know, uh, versus just this more temperate environment that we're a part of. Right, know? yeah. <laughs> it like became very clear. And then, uh, like you're saying, I think um, 
and uh, a case for rural is the name of that case study that the uh, the uh, innovation hub put together. Oh, cool! And, and uh, essentially, they were doing research into that exact phenomenon. Like that, we're moving away away from a manufacturing kind of town, or we've already moved away from that. And now the opportunity is coming in as um, remote work is like digital economy kind of work. And uh, like you're saying, you're working with clients, you know, all over the country. Like, yep. um, so that is a distinct advantage especially with the other like context which is that Portsmouth has this uh, low cost of living and uh, this very pleasant like temperate kind of environment um, and just it's very relational like you're saying you it just you, you start to get to actually know the people that live in your city right and I mean it's it's a, a wonderful incentive I mean I think that um, you know so when I started my career I went to New York right and you know it was going to rule the world and all that good stuff and you know quickly realized that uh, a boy that grew up on a 50 acre farm on Upper Twin Creek <laughs> you know inside a county that Queens and riding the subway to Manhattan every day wasn't really how I wanted to live my life I did it but mm. And it was, uh, I always tell everybody that was my master's degree. Uh, <laughs> well, how, how long were you there, Ace? Let's focus uh, on that. About a couple years. Okay. Right. Yeah. A year and a half, two years. Um, it, it was a wonderful experience, right? I met some fabulous people. Uh, you know, they had a big influence on my life and what, what you know, and, and how, it really showed me how to work, mm. right? Just because, you know, you were, you know, in that environment, you were, you're thrown to the wolves, right? And yeah. So you would you would better have it together and ready to go. And I did. Um, you know, we were, but I there was always this draw, right? There was a part of my life that was missing. I think it was, to be honest, I think it was the people. Yeah. Right. It was just being born and raised here. I, I mean, um, the people I grew up around are some of the best people on the planet, in my opinion, and. Uh, uh, it was just great, and I missed it. I missed being here, and a lot of people say, you know, like, why'd you move back here? And, you know, um, I, I had a choice, right? My business, um, you know, we could live anywhere we want, right? Very fortunate, right? We've got clients in almost every single state in the United States. Most of them don't come to Portsmouth to see me, right? They don't yeah. hop on a jet to fly to Portsmouth, right? We do business. Uh, They've been to the river once probably, but <laughs> I got to buy them a river steak and UPS it though. I get daring on that, but uh, the uh, but you know so they that was a choice, and then we've been running my business the way a lot of people are trying to adapt to now because I had to, right? So when you know when I moved back 16 years ago to Portsmouth, um, I really had to figure out how I could gain a clientele from across the country but be in the place where I wanted to live. Wow. And so, right, luckily we've been very fortunate to come to make that decision at a time where obviously internet computers expanded to really provide for that opportunity. But Well, it just wouldn't have been a possibility like 30 years ago for it. Like, correct. You know yeah, I mean? it would have been impossible to, you couldn't do it. Yeah, so you were like really in a, kind of an early adopter of that model, which is cool. Yeah. And once again, kind of dumb luck, right? Like getting into finance. I mean, I didn't have a choice, right? So yeah. I had to figure out a way. How do I live in Portsmouth and manage money all across the United States? Well, let's <laughs> let's zoom in on that. Is it like how? You know what I mean? What were kind of the, the, the uh, building blocks to do that successfully? So, I, I mean, one was, you know, the technology. I am a 
I'm a techie person. I like technology. I like, you know, trying to be on the front end of all those things. So, you know, I'm in the relationship business, right? So a lot of people say like, what do you do? I take care of people, mm-hmm. right? So how... Not in like a hitman kind of way. Though. No, like, no, no. <laughs> a lot of people kidding. think that when I wear a suit all the time. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, so how, how do we develop relationships with people to show them what we're capable of doing quickly and efficiently when they're in LA. Yeah. Right. And so, um, a a lot of time is explaining to them how our business works and how we work with them. Um, and, and a lot of it, to be quite honest is I, I don't have like this great sales pitch or anything like that. I just pretty much tell people, you know, we're going to take care of you, right? We want to be a part of your family. We want to have conversations. I always say this came from another friend of mine and, uh, he says, we're not in here talking about the weather. Mm. Right. And so, you know, how do you have a serious conversation and where people can confide in you? And it just comes from time and yeah. effort, right? It's not a secret sauce. I mean, I don't think there's, you know, zoom and, you know, we were early adopters of WebEx and all the kind of iterations of what video conferencing have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that was kind of early on that helped, but that doesn't, I mean, the conversations and, you know, just being a part of people's lives and, and I, to be going I think one of the things that most people makes people most successful in life from who I have learned this from is the people who actually do what, what they said they were going to do. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Are rare. Well, because you're saying, and Asa, you're a good guy, and I know that other people get that impression, but at the end of the day, it's like our, our sales trainer at Glockner says, uh, he's like, people may like you and want to be your friend, but they don't want to give you their social security number. You know? right. yeah. <laughs> so ultimately, you kind of have to like deliver on what you promised. Right, and I mean, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people kind of get wrong is they focus so much on the words and the, you know, the sales pitch. Mm-hmm. And they forgot that the real work starts after somebody is your client. Yes. Right? Because that's where you earn it. Well, and maybe do you feel like you're experienced in New York um, and working in more of like a heavily transactional, like high volume environment kind of gave you an edge on that? Like I, I feel the temptation locally and uh, in local business is to uh, is to like ease off the transactional side, just kind of get, get maybe a little too slow. Like you could probably do things right. faster, pro- provide better service, be- service, but because there's less options and it's more like uh, it's more relational, you can start to get kind of lax, you know, which uh, you, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's yep. really, it's really nice to pair that relational aspect and also like, Hey, I'm good on my word and I'm going to deliver this in a timely manner, you know? Correct. Yeah. I mean, how do you get that, that spark, that fire? I mean, there's, you know, stuff in the, you know, a lot of our competitors, um, not my business, I'm talking about globally mm-hmm. of people who are doing business outside of here, you, you know, I, I think our advantage is for a lot of the businesses I know here and the people I know really well is there is that joy from service, mm. right? But I think our competitive advantage for a lot of the businesses that do amazingly well in our communities are those people actually also have that fire, yeah, right? They want that 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 uh, that goal that goal score sure right they yeah. want that's their win they want that win 
but in that speed of that, but then they also want the longevity of the relationship. So that's the mm. kind of the beauty of our culture when you pair it together. Of course. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I want that and try to embody that as well is that we can be local and also like absurdly ambitious, especially in the digital age, you know, because, uh, all of those initial barriers that we had, like you're saying, you proved it even, uh, 16 years ago that, uh, like those, uh, barriers of entry are lifted and you now we can compete, um, with the rest of the U S with the world, you know? Right. And I mean, I think that's one of the things that we have to be careful of, of how we're all raised here is the fact that it's okay to say, I want to be the best, mm. right? We're, you know, Midwesterners, good old folks. Right. And we just, we just love everybody and want to hold the door for you at Bob Evans, but it's okay to say I'm that, mm. but I also want to be the best at my job of anybody that has ever done this before. Yes. Right. That is not bad. Success is not bad. It's beautiful. Mm. Right. And, and, and if you compare that drive and that fire with loving the fact that you can hold the door for somebody at Bob Evans or whatever <laughs> restaurant of your choice, right? right. That that's, that's cool. That's special. Mm. Right. It's not, there's nothing wrong with both of those things being paired together. Yeah. And it's like, you're saying it's a rare pairing. Like a lot of times those things aren't synonymous. So when I guess when someone, uh, someone realizes that it, it's just like the perfect, it's, it's the perfect mix, you know, that I think that is like a huge success variable for sure. I yeah. agree. Um, let's talk a little bit, you know, you were, I know somewhat involved in, uh, the case study redeveloping in the comeback city, which sure. was that the housing, uh, study through the Ohio policy center. Um, uh, and, uh, as well as the Sayota foundation and there were part of it as well, but, uh, it's essentially comprehensive comprehensive housing market analysis for Portsmouth. And I want to lead into, you know, what do you make of that research? I, I read uh, the paper. I learned a lot from it, um, you yeah. know, and um, like what kind of conclusions are you drawing as far as what we can do as a city to like set citizens up to, to thrive here? Well, I think that we've got to, um, and I think there's obviously around where we're sitting right now has created some of this energy, right? Mm. So it, we've got to figure out a way as a community to continue to bring that energy back into our into our town, right? right? Um, you know, if you go back historically and look at how the, the town was designed and everything, right? And then you had kind of that migration back out into the, the out into the the county. Yeah. a little bit right so um how do we make sure that everybody who you know might their home might reside outside of the city limits but you know we all base our our lives off the utilities and the you know of our town so mm. um how do we you know through bring that energy back i mean i always call it a beehive to everybody that i talk yeah. about i'm like how do we get how do we get the bees flying around Chillicothe Street? How do we get the bees back on? I mean, Second Street's amazing over the last few years, how we've really seen that happen. Oh, completely radical change, man. Even it, just in five years. Like, it, yeah. it, right. And, and the cool thing about here is it can happen yeah. fast, mm. right? I mean, you don't have to spend a billion dollars to to do, you know, um, you know, High Street in Columbus, right? Yeah you know, the entrepreneurial spirit of our community members has dramatically changed the, the look and feel and energy of second street mm. already. Mm. Right. And in my opinion, we're just getting started. So, yeah. so if you look at that, I, I mean the, you know, 
that whole report and all that stuff. I mean, what I read from that is we need we need we need the lights on and we need more bodies downtown, right? Yeah. Whether it's housing, business, right? You need that energy, right? And, and the more that you can provide that energy through community outreach or different entrepreneurial spirit, right, of development. That's what's going to continue to to do that. Now, the great thing is, is we have momentum, mm. right? This is um, the first time during my life the momentum has, is positive, not negative. Yeah. So well, we've been in like a, was it might have been that report I said that was talking about, or it might have just aligned with the fact that we've been kind of in like a in like a downhill slide since like 1943. You know right. what I mean? Like population declining, etc. Which. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying, we're entering this new this new kind of economy and opportunity with remote work, et cetera. But yeah, and I think that you know, for for our town, I mean, the more businesses that we can get downtown, the more attraction there is, the, the more people, the more you know that that energy is, um, you know, being the studying economics and all that stuff. You know, they always talk about the trend data and all these different things. And I mean, realistic, most of us it's momentum, right? So yeah. the momentum of um, that that positive, in the same works in revor- reverse, like we've experienced since the 40s, right? So when it's negative, it's negative, mm. right? For a long, long time, and it's really hard to break that trend. And you really have to have almost an event or or, or something that can change that trajectory. Yeah. And, and I feel like we're there and we just have to continue to, you know, in my opinion, pour gas on the fire to get it bigger and faster. Mm. And uh, I think that, I think it will. It's just, you know, um, you know, I want, you know, I want Jack to go away to college and when he's done with college for him to say, I, you know, I got to go back to Portsmouth. Look what's happening there. Well, crazy, like, I felt like I physically felt that momentum shift on Plant Portsmouth specifically, which was, like, one of the first events that, you know, Friends of Portsmouth put on. But, like, that was such a crazy day. Just looking down Chillicothe Street and seeing, like, everyone working with no financial incentive, like, (laughs) just, uh, like, I mean, it had to be a couple hundred people that were, you know, painting, uh, painting the street, uh, hanging up flags you know power washing uh down the street i mean it was really like an extremely energetic moment and i think uh you know i think uh the only thing that can inspire that is people actually believing that things were changing you know what i mean they they uh felt in in their hearts it wasn't just like an accolade that they could add to their resume it was like uh uh, I mean, it was real belief that uh, that we're moving in a new direction. And we want to we want to start, you know. And I think I could not agree more. I mean, what an awesome thing to experience and be a part of. I mean, we were. I, I mean, people's kids are out there, moms and dads, grandparents. I mean, it was everybody wanted to. You know, people genuinely want this town to to be a great place to to be, and I think that. Um, and I think it, that at the core will make it happen. And, and talking to the people that uh, you talk to and um, just your involvement in the community, so where do you see, I guess, more opportunity to continue to snowball that? Is there anything you're pinpointing uh, specifically, like resources that we need to bring to the table or areas of opportunity to explore? Well, I think that, you know, it's really exciting. I, I mean, to, um, 
I was in a meeting uh, a month or so ago um, with Shawnee continuing to want to the university to want to integrate more mm. into downtown. Yeah. Really, I, I feel like that is a, a huge um, energy driver, right? To bring, you know, to to bring kids are at that point in their life of, of growing and learning and how, what a cool time that is for them to bring that energy into the businesses of, you know, downtown. I, I feel like changes the whole environment there, of, right. you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't know what type of business that drives or anything like that, but just, just the energy of, um, kids and their hunger for knowledge and learning and what they want to be around, I think is really, really cool. Um, I, I think that the, the city is doing, um, a, a good job from my understanding, um, from talking to some of those folks with, you know, the things that they're trying to do to, um, to in, in improve our infrastructure, right. Which we, we need dramatic improvements there to make our, you know, streets safer and prettier. And I, and I mean, and then you've got the, the counties doing a lot of the same things. And I mean, I think this is one of the first times that, that I can remember, maybe it's just cause I'm an adult now, but where you, you've really got all these major, major entities, wanting to do these things together right we've got great successful businesses you know glockner's osco right all these wonderful places the hospital mm. and they're all focused on wanting to do more things right. here right and so i think that the the momentum and power that that brings is you know it's exciting yeah of course and i think uh, like you're saying that lends to the conversation we were having about larger version vision and long-term success as businesses and just entrepreneurs in, in general is like if if we want to that and want to thrive in the place that we're living then our our pursuit can't always be in increasing our margin although important like an important uh premise it has to be also in like a like what is that impacting you know what i mean what are we getting on the same uh like finding common interest in and what do we want to see change in the shit city you know because i'd probably i mean i think businesses are per, like largely the driver of that like set a lot of the uh set a lot of the tone of the culture as well you know oh i agree yeah, yeah. and i think that um yeah and there's a, a huge amount of opportunity here right mm. and, and and the ability for uh, for a few people to make a massive change right in the face right once again i mean it's not a billion dollars to do high street right yeah. in columbus it's it, it's our town and we've got you know six or eight blocks that we need full yeah right and the lights turned on and life back in there right mm. and we need you know whether there's people staying in apartments above them or businesses operating on the main floor i mean we need that energy to continue and and i you know, I think it's going to happen, you know, um, you know, I'm not the most patient person in the world, so I'm hoping it happens a lot quicker than, <laughs> <laughs> than it took to get to from the top to the bottom. All right. I want the, the bottom back to the top to sure, happen man. a lot faster. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's kind of like slow to get the heavy lifting is at the beginning of just changing culture opinion, I think. So you yeah. like you're saying, I, I think that's what we've continued to see and prove is that, uh, more people are, um, like joining up to make things happen faster, you know, Agreed. as they believe. Um, so maybe just uh, close with giving us, if, if you had 
um, any advice to give to the up and comers, people that are that are trying to make a way here or to find success? Is there anything you wish you would have known earlier on um, that you could key in about how how to be successful, specifically in this context? You know. So I, I, I mean, one of the things that I've thought about a, a lot in, in my life is that um, people have a you know some. I wasn't. I don't come from a lot, right? I. Had a, the greatest childhood anybody could ever imagine. Mm. We didn't have a lot of money, right? It didn't matter, you know. Um, it was really cool. One of the things I always tell Jack was uh, I was born in a house down on the river bottoms. And, you know, that saying, were you born in a barn? <laughs> we actually moved. The house was so bad where I lived. We moved into a barn. <laughs> no joke, right? Like, so from... Zero to two, I lived in a house, you know, that didn't had a couple of light bulbs and the water would freeze in the kitchen in the winter and all this stuff, but no mm-hmm. running water. I didn't have running water till I was 12, but, uh, but it was beautiful, right? It, it, my parents are brilliant people. They um, taught me so much in life. They're awesome, still doing great, which thankfully they live real close to us now. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think that one of the things that I wish that somebody would have told me, because, you know, when you're a kid and you're growing up, you... You're like you're always looking at what somebody else has mm. or what they got and what i wish i would have known is the beauty of our country is everybody gets their opportunity mm-hmm. right it's different than other people's yeah right your opportunity was different than mine that that what we do with that is who, how you're defined right mm-hmm. so i wish somebody would have said like it doesn't matter if you know you're way better looking than I am. That's you know that's a better opportunity for you. That doesn't matter, right? So what what I wish I would have known at a younger age is just because somebody was you know had a different upbringing or anything like that, or had you had some perceived that their life was easier than yours. It that doesn't matter, mm. right? What matters is is that with your opportunity in your life you maximize what you are capable of doing. Mm. And um, I feel very fortunate for my parents to have taught me that at a very young age. And um, But I think that's one of the things that I wish people would grasp. I mean, there's, don't be mad at, you know, the kid at school, right? Because they've got newer books than you or something. It doesn't, yeah. you know, your books are fine, right? What you do with those books is all that matters. Mm. So I wish that's what I knew. That, that's powerful stuff, man, and, and you're a living example of it, just playing the hand you're dealt, uh, whether it be like some significant injuries uh, that you may have perceived as um, like uh, ending your interest at the time. You like snowballed it into something powerful, made a way for your family, and just uh, I, I appreciate you sharing your story, man. Yeah. Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. Thanks, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.